welcome to Church Experience Online. We're so happy you joined us today. As you watch this teaching video, if you have any questions or need help getting connected, please don't hesitate to reach out by phone or email. Also, our website is the best place to go if you'd like to access helpful Growth Step resources. Join a serving team, connect in a life group, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially by giving online. At the end of this teaching video, you'll hear one of our Church Experience Worship original songs, and we hope that gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you've learned. Thanks again for joining us at Church Experience Online. been talking about how to have an unchanging commitment in an ever-changing world. And that's the heart of this teaching series, What's Next? How to have a commitment that's unchanging even though the world all around us is always changing. And I want to ask you a question. What's one of the most changing aspects of your life? Think about it. What's one of the things that's always changing in your life? It's people. People. They're always changing. They're changing themselves and they're changing their position in our lives. People are coming and going. It's, it's, it's always happening. And, and not only are people always coming and going out of our life, but, but the people in our life that remain are changing themselves. It's kind of like the dad who was sitting down around the table with his grown kids and they were reminiscing about the past. And, and he says, you guys know I was married to three different women? And they're shocked. They say, Dad, we never heard this our whole lives, and all we've known is Mom. When did you get married to these other women, and how long were you married for? How did those marriages end? Why did we not know about this? And he said, no, no, no. no. I've really only been married to one person, your, your mother, but I've been married to three different versions of her because she keeps changing throughout the years. And, and really, that's true for all of us, isn't it, that we're, we're always changing, and the people around us are always changing. And our relationships are always different year after year because not only do the people change, but the people in our life change. Some new people come into our life, which is a great thing, and some people exit our life, which is usually a really sad thing. And it might be a breakup. It might be that two people drifted apart. It might be that one person caused hurt in another person's life or one person unfriended another. It might be that someone in your life changed their stance or a belief that they had that you both shared and now they no longer have that same belief. It, it might be that they withdrew their affection from you or their support of you. Something changed, something drifted apart, something moved in your life and now there's been a change. And a lot of times change is really disappointing. And it's hard to know what to do with it. And even though we know it's a normal part of life, it never feels natural. And some changes can be good, but a lot of times, even when they are, we don't recognize it in the moment. It's not till later on. It just feels uncomfortable and difficult in the moment, but change is always happening around us. It's a constant in our relationship world. But the truth is that that was in part by God's design. 
If you look back to the beginning of the Bible, the very second chapter of Genesis, chapter 2, verse 24, it says, That is why a man leaves his father and mother, leaves, he leaves his father and mother, and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. So even there in the beginning of creation, God designed family units, to where in two different families, a, a man and a woman would grow up, and that they would they would fall in love eventually, and they would move out of the homes that they were raised in, causing great change to their parents, to their siblings, and that they would grow up and move in together and have their own family. And so even in, in that great context, in the context of creation, God knew that there was going to be change in our relational world. It's a part of life, a part of life that you're very familiar with. And even though we know it's natural for things to change and people to come and go, and for the people in our life that remain to change, even though we know that's normal, it doesn't make it easy. And it doesn't always feel natural when it's happening. But it's not just that change is happening out there. It's, it's that change can happen even in the church. Change can happen in Christian relationships, in a godly family. Just because someone's a believer doesn't exempt them from experiencing these changes that happen in life. And I want to point you specifically to... Acts chapter 15 today, where right before Paul's second missionary journey to Greece, where he's going to go to the continent of Europe, a place where he's done a lot of great work for God. You know, he, he plants uh, churches in Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, Corinth. Uh, right before this epic missionary journey, there's a, a conflict of sorts with him and another believer. And I want to read that to you in Acts chapter 15, verse 36. It says, sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word, the word of the Lord, and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them, but Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia, and he had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. And it's really interesting, isn't it? Because we think of Paul as this, this great godly man who did so much good for the kingdom of God. And you picture him almost perfect to where, you know, he always has had relationships that always worked out. And everybody in his life, this, they, they, they always agreed on things and but, but the truth is, even someone like Paul, who God used greatly, inspired him to write down much of the New Testament. He had such a sharp disagreement with another person who loved God that they parted ways. They moved out of each other's lives. You know, this is an unfortunate reality that's always a part of our context as even believers, that, that, that sometimes people part ways. Some pe sometimes people go different directions. One Bible commentator said about this that it's not surprising that Barnabas wanted John Mark uh, to have a second chance since he was his cousin. And Barnabas, whose name means son of encouragement, would have been a natural mediator. But Paul is thinking strategically about the mission, and he doesn't want to risk a second time having uh, a desertion that could jeopardize the whole mission. But for whatever reason, they, they, they part ways and. Uh, Silas is picked by Paul to go on this missionary journey. Now, Silas ended up being a great pick for Paul on this missionary journey because he was a Roman citizen. 
And so he enjoyed the same protections and benefits that Paul did on this journey. Also, he was a respected part of the Jerusalem church. And so among the established uh, Christian leaders, it lended credibility to Paul's teaching and his, and his work. But also, he was a Jew. And because Silas was a Jew, he was, like Paul, granted access into the synagogues, which were meeting places where the dispersed Jews who didn't have access to temple worship could still gather uh, to worship together and read the Old Testament. And so Silas and Paul, they head one direction, and, and there's this parting of ways between these two groups. But in the end, they both went on a mission. They both went to preach the gospel and help people. And so even though it seems like a, a relational setback and a, and a split and they're going different ways, God actually was able to use that really challenging, difficult relational moment to spark great things in his church because now the mission effort was doubled. And one of the most challenging and unpredictable aspects of our life that only God really knows, he has the chessboard, he knows uh, who he needs to move here and there, out, in and out of our lives. He knows what we need. He knows what mentors, advisors we need, what, what partners in ministry we need, what friends we need. God, who's allowing all the different movements in our lives, he sees the big picture. But the reality is what we see is what's right in front of us. And what we see, it's in your teaching notes, is that people may change their commitment to us. That at, at the different times in our life, people may change their commitment to us. Maybe you want to write that down. They might change their commitment to us. They, they might even let us down. They might move away or move out of our life in some way, some capacity. In fact, even in churches, they say that about 10%, I've heard up to 20%, but around 10% of people in an average church leave every year. Just natural attrition, people moving away, trying something different. And because of that, there's always change. Now, of course, there's always people moving in as well. So there's always this dynamic of people moving, even in Christian communities. But it's not just true in churches either, is it? It's true in your neighborhood or your apartment complex. It's true at your workplace. And people are always moving. They're coming in and out of our lives all the time. And it's a, a natural but a difficult and challenging part of, of life. And notice in Jesus' life that he even had people moving in and out of his life. In fact, when he needed his followers the most, uh, when he, the time leading up to the crucifixion, his followers dispersed and, and, they, and they left. Jesus had one of his closest followers betray him, turn his back on him, turn him in. And so there were so many different uh, experiences that even Jesus, as a perfect leader, had people leave him. And those of you who are in leadership, maybe in your workplace or in a home or whatever it might be, it might be encouraging for you to know that even though Jesus was a perfect leader, he still had people leave his life. And you're not perfect. So don't be surprised when people leave your life. Yeah, look at Jesus' resolve and his unchanging commitment to the Father and to his mission and to the people around him. And, and, and I put it this way in your teaching notes. Jesus' followers have an unchanging commitment. I want you to write that down too. They, had a, they have an unchanging commitment. So, so in other words, even though people might change their commitment to us, a Jesus follower maintains an unchanging commitment. They, they, they are still committed, committed to God, committed to the people around them, and, and committed to the mission. Now, it can hurt when people change on us. It can hurt. It can cause uncertainty. It can cause change in us. And the person who maybe hurt you, for example, maybe uh, someone who broke up with you or left you, uh, that, could, that betrayal can, can cause you to become untrusting if you're not careful. The person who hurt you can cause you to become bitter. 
So if we're not careful, a changing relationship or a changing situation can cause change inside of us that we don't want. So what kind of unchanging commitment do we need? If Jesus followers have an unchanging commitment, even when things are changing around us, even when people are changing around us, what kind of a commitment should we have? What kind of unchanging commitment should we have? Well, I think there's three things. Three things. The first one comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. It says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Everybody say love. Say love. Yeah, love. And that's, that's the first thing I want to encourage you to write down is that Jesus' followers have an unchanging commitment to love. So we love people, even though people might change in our, our life, and maybe they don't always change in the way that we want them to, or maybe they leave our life. We still have an unchanging commitment to love them no matter what. And in humility, we love God and we love others, and we think about them ahead of ourselves. And, and love practically expresses itself in action. And, and that often looks like care and concern for others, helping others. When I was pastoring in Michigan, I pastored a great church called Faith Church, and we did periodic outreaches very similar to what we do here at Church Experience. And, and we'd go out in the community and find ways to serve and bless people. Well, we realized along the way that, that our community had this, this really big event. It was uh, fireworks at our mall. And in the mall parking lot, uh, they had inadequate restrooms for the thousands of people that gathered uh, in the parking lot to watch the, the fireworks. And we realized that this was a, a big problem because a lot of the stores were just overrun by lines of people wanting to use the restrooms. And so they would just not allow people to come in to use the restroom. And there just was a real shortage of places to go to the bathroom while everyone's waiting out there for hours to watch the fireworks. And so our church over time provided porta-potties each year for this, this event. And we provide these porta potties out in the parking lot, and a whole station was set up for people to come and use the restroom, and it was a service to the community. And we wanted to, them to know that it was uh, a, a gift to them from the church, and, and wanted to be a ministry to point people to God. And so we put signs inside the porta potties, and they were humorous signs. They were meant to be funny and, and make an impact. And the signs that we had would say things like, This moment of refreshment brought to you by Faith Church. <laughs> Or they would say things like, sometimes life stinks. We're here to make it better. <laughs> or, or another sign that was inside one of these porta potties that said, you think you feel good now? Wait until you meet Jesus. <laughs> and, and probably my favorite sign that we put inside the porta potty said, Jesus will wipe all your sins away. <laughs> well, we had a lot of fun with that. And, you know, the whole heart of it was we want to show people that we care that we love. And we don't even know all these people. They're, they're, these people are always changing around us, the faces that we see, but we want to reach out to them and show them that we have an unchanging commitment to love them. And whether or not they change and believe what we believe about Jesus, we want to show them the unchanging love of Christ in their life. And by the way, I'm really excited about what our church is doing with outreach, and we're, we're wanting to do more and more outreach and thinking of ways to do that and strategizing how to do that. And one of the cool things that we're doing is uh, we're going to ramp up Serve Our Cities this year. We did it once last year. We're hoping to do it multiple times this year, and we're planning an event in partnership with Shepherd's Village. It's a single mom's home that we've served at numerous times before, and we're going to take a big group of us over there. It's looking like early March, and we're firming up the date with them, but we're going to go over there and just be a flood of, of kindness and, and 
help them and fix up their place. It's a great ministry to, to single parents who are raising kids on their own. And it's a, it's a Christian ministry where they teach and coach these, these women and these kids. And they, they're such a blessing to them. And we're going to be a blessing to their entire ministry by going over there and fixing up the place and helping out in every way we can to just spur on the good works that they're doing in our community in, in Jesus' name. And so I'm really excited and looking forward to that. But we want to show people that they matter to God and that they matter to us. That everyone matters. Everyone matters. It tells us that this is how we should treat each other. And this is the impact it will make in the New Testament. John 13, where it says, Jesus said, a new command I give you. Love one another. Everybody say love. Yeah, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You know, we look for loving opportunities to, to care for people, to show them that they matter. And even though people are changing on us all the time, and not always for the good, and even though people are always changing their position in our lives, and there's always people coming and going, we want to have an unchanging commitment to love people, even when it's not easy, even when they let us down, even if they leave us, even if they don't believe what we believe, we love people. And one of the things I love about the church is that we're the kind of people where we say, you can belong before you believe. As soon as you walk through these doors, we're gonna love on you and we're gonna show you that you matter to God. Even if you don't believe or appreciate what we believe, we're gonna show you that we believe in you and more importantly, that God believes in you. So we have an unchanging commitment to love. The next thing that followers of Jesus Christ have, we have an unchanging commitment to forgive. This is important. You want to write it down. We have an unchanging commitment not only to love, but an unchanging commitment to forgive. You know, we, we may feel disappointed and upset if someone changes on us. Maybe a spouse changes on you or a good friend changes on you or someone moves out of your life. You might be disappointed. But you can still choose to give them grace. And you can still choose to give them forgiveness instead of bitterness. A lot of people only give someone one chance. They only give them one shot. And they miss out on so much that God wants to do in that relationship, even through brokenness and even through adversity. You know, a lot of guys are, you know, into power tools. A lot of people are into power tools. And, you know, some people just, they really live for that. That's their thing. And, and you know, I have power tools. I know how to use them. I, I can fix up the things in my house that break around, that break down for the most part. But, but it's not my thing. It's not the, the thing that I live for and love to do. And I know people that do. That's, that's just their thing. I have a friend. He, he, he just, in his free time, if there's one thing he could do, he'd love to get in his garage and fix something up and build something. And he's so gifted at it. That's not me. But I know how to use power tools. And every once in a while, I'll be out in the garage using a tool to fix something. And, and uh, over Christmas... Uh, right, right leading up to Christmas, my, uh, my son was doing a wood carving for his grandfather. And uh, it's something that his grandfather had taught him how to do. And so he wanted to give a gift back to his grandfather and, and, and carve a little wooden bear. But the block of wood needed to be cut. And it needed to be shaped down closer to the size that he was going to be doing the micro carves on to make it something that he could give away. And so, so my job was to cut this block of wood in a, 
and a shape that was close to the shape of this bear. And so I'm out there cutting it. And as I was cutting this thing with my power tools, I, I was just thinking, you know, it's good that I don't do this too often. <laughs> you know, I do it every once in a while because as I'm using these power tools and as I'm making the cuts on this wood, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, it's only a matter of time. If I did this a lot, it's only a matter of time until I slip and, and I cut off a finger or something. Like, this is, this is not my thing. I, I'm being super careful, but, but this is just not something that's this is my thing. Well, my son, in the process of wood carving, he's 10 now. Kylan is 10. And, and you know, I, he's just now getting to that age where he's fifth grade where I'm allowing him to use things like a knife to do wood carving. But I'm there watching very carefully because you know, when they're really young, you know, you don't give them sharp things because they can accidentally cut themselves. But now he's getting a little older and he's able to do this, some of these carvings. But I, I'm watching real carefully and I, I'm saying to him, hey, be really careful. Because <laughs> I'm thinking what I think about when I'm using sharp things. I'm like, just be careful because... You could take off your finger, and, and Kylan, you only have one chance. And he looked at me with a big grin on his face. He's like, Dad, I have ten fingers. I have ten chances. <laughs> Not what you want to hear from your kid who's got a sharp tool in his hand. But I kind of like the idea of that, you know, in a humorous way, because a lot of us, we only give people one chance. When they cut us, so to speak, when they hurt us, we only give them one chance. Well, that's it. I'm cutting you off. If, if you, you, you hurt me, you, you cut me. Well, then I'm, I'm cutting you off, and that's it. And, and we're no longer going to talk. You're no longer going to be in my life. And we just, people let us down, and we let go. It's a very natural instinct. But I, I think the way of Jesus is that we give people more chances. We give them another chance. They hurt us, but we extend grace. We extend forgiveness. We extend love, even when we feel hurt, even when there's pain. You know, when, when, when people hurt you, maybe it would be helpful to be pointed toward the example of a New Testament believer named Stephen, who following the example of Christ, when he was persecuted and eventually executed for his faith, there's this amazing passage in Acts chapter 7, while he was literally dying, and it showed his grace that he extended to others, God's grace. It said, while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and he cried out. And he said, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep, which was a metaphor for he, he died. Jewish custom insisted that the person being executed confess their sins. But Stephen didn't confess his sins because he was innocent. He confessed their sins. And he said, God, forgive them for what they're doing. And following the example of Jesus, he forgave even when he was under tremendous pressure, even losing his own life. And Jesus came teaching this kind of grace, this radical and revolutionary grace that we're to forgive people, that we're to love people, even when they hurt us. That we're to turn our, our cheek. And, and that's just such a revolutionary uh, teaching because it goes against our instinct to pay people back, to get revenge, to, to settle the score. But he said things like in Matthew 5, verse 43, he said, You have heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What a powerful message that, that even when people hurt you, even when people are your enemies, that instead of hating them, instead of getting revenge on them, you still love them. You still forgive them. That's incredible. But it wasn't just that Jesus taught us to do that. He modeled it. Not only did he forgive the people who executed him, but our sins were the sins that put him on the cross. And, and he was so kind. The, the, the good news of Jesus, the gospel message is that, that, that God looked down on us while we were in our sin. 
And he gave his own son because he loved you so much that if you believe in him, you can be forgiven of your sins and you can have life eternal. He came to set you free from whatever sin that you're stuck in and, and said, I love you so much, even though you're rebelling against me, even though you're doing it your own way, even though you're causing tremendous damage and problems in this world, I'm willing to forgive you if you'll bow your knee to me, if you'll turn your heart over to me, if you're willing to confess your sin and ask for forgiveness. I'll come into your life and I'll be your Lord, I'll be your leader, I'll help you clean up the mess. You don't even have to clean up the mess and come to me. You come to me and I'll help you clean up the mess. All you have to do is come. All you have to do is receive me into your life. And if you've never received the good news message of Jesus Christ, you can do that right now. But bowing your head and just praying and asking for the forgiveness and grace of God and, and it will flood into your life. And you'll find the forgiveness that you're looking for and the peace that you need in Jesus. And your heart will be filled with joy. But this example of Christ, this teaching of Christ of forgiveness is not just from God to us. But he expects us to extend the same grace to others who hurt us. And it's not just for them, although they need that forgiveness. It's for you. One person said to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. Toward the end of last year, I felt this discomfort in my spirit. I felt like God was asking me to do something I wasn't really wanting to do. And someone a few years back had, had uh, exited my life and left a lot of damage in my life. And uh, I had done a lot of things to help them and to bless them and a lot of things I had done to pour into their life, and, but it wasn't enough for them. And they, they left in haste, they, they exited my life, left a wake of problems, and, and I, I just, I, I, I felt hurt, I felt wounded from that experience. Well, sometime after that happened, this person reached out to me, and they, they offered to get together to talk, and, and, and honestly, I just, I didn't really want to see him. I wasn't ready. I wasn't harboring hatred. I'd forgiven as best I could. I'd let it go, but I, I wasn't ready to really reconcile. And so I was kind to them, but I basically dismissed the opportunity and, and wasn't did not make myself available. Well, quite some time went on and got to the end of last year, and, and I just really felt God stirring in my heart that I needed to reach out to this person, and I, I pushed through the discomfort, and I thought, you know what, I need to do this. I need, I need to be mature enough to forgive in the way that God for, has forgiven me, and, and I reached out to them and made contact, and and uh, we agreed to maybe get together at some point down the road. And I, it, it, got, it was left undone. They, they never reached out. You know, they, I don't know if it was busyness or if perhaps they weren't ready. And, and maybe that will still happen down the road. But I want to point you to a, a verse in Romans chapter 12, verse 18. It says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. It's hard to do. When someone hurts you, when, when someone brings uh, adversity into your life, when when someone leaves you, when someone does something against you or someone that you love or whatever it might be, it's hard to live at peace with them. It's hard to want to reconcile. But, but God's example to us is that even when we were enemies of the things of God, he still, by his grace, reached out a hand of forgiveness, a hand of unity, a hand of relationship. And I think that's what God wants of us to is to forgive others. Well, there's a third thing and. And people may change in our life, and we have to have an unchanging commitment to, to love them and to forgive them. But there's also something else that I think is really important is that even though people are changing in our life, we have to have an unchanging commitment to speak well, to speak well of them. 
and about them and to them. Words are so hard to control, and when there's emotion, maybe it's in the middle of a breakup or a relationship gone bad or someone letting someone else down in the workplace, it's really easy to let words go and let, let words be put out there in the relationship that can cause damage and hurt. But Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. One of the aspects of speaking well of others is, is when they change on you, when they, when they hurt you, when they disappoint you, to speak well of them and build them up to their face, but also when you're not around them. The Bible talks a lot about slander, about gossip, about speaking about others when they're not present in a way that would tear down their reputation or hurt them. A couple things that might help in a filter of knowing if that's a problem you have is, is to ask a question, have I talked to this person to their face about what I'm saying about them to someone else? And, and, and did they understand it? And would they be supportive of me talking about this with somebody else? And I say, have you talked to them about it? Because I think in the past I would have said, would you say this to their face? But I've been around long enough to, to hear people say things like, oh, I would say this if they were here. <laughs> and the reality is, is that maybe they wouldn't. And even if they would, it wouldn't be a good thing. It wouldn't be a good conversation. Just because you would say it doesn't mean you should say it. And another thing is to ask, does this build them up? Ephesians 4.29 tells me that no unwholesome talk should come from my mouth, and it should always build others up. So is this building them up, or is this tearing the person down? And a lot of times when there's emotion involved, when there's disappointment involved, it's really easy to let words go that tear others down and to justify it because of our emotion or because of our hurt or because what they think we think that they did to us. I heard one time a, a great communicator talk about um, our role in any situation that comes up that has potential uh, to cause damage relationally. He called it a fire. And he said, every time you come up to a fire and, and you, you spot a fire, it might be a couple friends talking in the workplace, it might be something in your, your extended family, it could be something in a church, but there's, there's this, this, you walk into the conversation with another person or a group and, and, there, and there's a potential fire. He says, whenever you enter that conversation, you always carry two buckets. You, you carry two buckets, and when you see that fire, you have a choice. You, you could take your bucket that's filled with gasoline, and you could pour it on the fire, and you can make that fire bigger. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I'm with you. I agree with you. Yeah, you're right. That's not right. That's, and, and you can make it worse. Or you could take your bucket of water, and you could put it out. Well, is, this, is this conversation building them up? I, I don't know if we should talk like that or about them or maybe there's something we don't understand or maybe there's something that that we should be thinking differently about on this situation and you always have a choice to carry a bucket of water or a bucket of gasoline and which one are you going to use when you see that fire we have an obligation as as committed Christians to speak well of others even when we disagree with them even when we don't understand their point of view or they don't understand us I love my dad's example in my life of this I don't think I've ever, in all the years, being my dad's son, I don't think I've ever, ever heard him gossip about somebody else or slander another person. And he set such a high standard and example in all my years growing up. I don't ever remember him coming home from work and slandering somebody, a coworker. I don't ever remember him talking poorly about another family member or somebody in his life. He just set, set, set such a great example for me. 
I'm excited. We're going to do a, a message. We're going to call it Conversations in April. And if all goes well and, and my dad can be here, the plan is right now that my dad's going to come and I'm going to get to interview him up here on stage, someone who's been a pastor my entire life, godly man. And I hope you'll be here for that Sunday. We'll promote it as it gets closer. But I look forward to learning together from some of his wisdom. And then also, it looks like there's a really strong potential here in the next couple of weeks that Jennifer's dad is potentially through a ministry opportunity that he has. He'll be down here in Florida. And, and there's a chance that we're going to get him for a Sunday here at Church Experience. And I will really look forward to you getting to hear him potentially preach or at least uh, give a greeting from our stage. And so I'm looking forward to see if we have that opportunity to have him here with us. Well, when you have, a, when you have moments where somebody in your life hurts you in some way or changes on you, your responsibility as a believer is to express an unchanging commitment to them. I think a verse that summarizes all these three things that we're talking about today, our, our unchanging commitment to love, to forgive, and to speak well of others, can really be summarized well in, in Psalm 1914. It says, may these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. May the words that are coming out of my mouth, may the meditation of my heart, the, the things that I'm thinking, you know, am I letting bitterness dwell in my heart towards others because they've changed on me? Or am I loving? Are the words coming out of my, my mouth forgiving and grace-filled and loving and generous? Or do they tear others down? So my question in this What's Next teaching series for you as we wrap it up today is what's next? What's next for you and your growth as you try to have an unchanging commitment in a world that's always changing around you? What's next for you? What is it that you need to do to change in your life so that you can be more unchanging in your love for Jesus and your love for others? Is what's next for you that you need to forgive someone who's hurt you or let you down? Is it that you need to work on a thought pattern, the way you think about others or think about others who hurt you? Is it something in your words, maybe a pattern, the way that you're using your words that's not building others up? You're always looking for a story, always looking for a problem, tearing others down. Is it something like that that needs to change? What is it in your life that you need to change? Do you need to seek help to have someone bring you along in your journey, to, to push you along in your journey to improve, to change, so that you can be more loving? What is it in your life that needs to change? I, I put there on the bottom of your notes, Psalm 1914 Challenge. And what I want you to, to write down there is, what's the one thing, what's the one thing in your life that you're going to change when it comes to a pattern of your words or of, of, of your lifestyle and your thoughts that you want to change to be more honoring to God? My hope is that you'll make that change, that you'll choose to love, you'll choose to forgive, and you'll choose to be generous in the way that you speak of and to others so that more people can experience life in Jesus Christ through your life as you love others in an unchanging way even when they change on you. Right on? God, we thank you so much for this opportunity today to get into your word and to talk about the things that change on us so often, and maybe most often, and that's the people around us. It's never easy when, when people change on us. And God, I'm sure that there's people here today that have felt that, maybe even in recent weeks and months, where there's been someone in their life that they love that changed on them. Maybe they no longer talk to them, or maybe they left them or walked out on them. Maybe there's someone here today that's struggling because someone they cared about moved away or a child moved up out of the house, and God, they're having a hard time dealing with that. But God, whatever the changes are that come, and we know that inevitably there will be many more changes in our life, even with the people that we care about. God, I pray that you would help us to have an unchanging commitment, just like Jesus, to love people, 
even when they seem unlovable, to love people even when they change. That God, we would have an unchanging commitment to forgive people even when they seem unforgivable, even when they hurt us. May we love them. May we forgive them. And then God, help us to speak well of others. God, in our heart, even when the emotions are strong and we feel let down or we feel discouraged or, or God, there's a fire in our life, maybe we pour water on it. Maybe we pour love and grace on it and forgiveness and speak kindly and build others up. May we take the high road. May we be people that honor you. And we thank you so much, God, for how you've honored us, you've loved us, you've blessed us through your son, Jesus Christ. May we follow his example in this ever-changing world. May we express his unchanging commitment and his unchanging love to everyone around us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Thanks for joining us at Church Experience Online. Please don't forget to check out the website if you'd like to get more connected, learn more, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially. You're now going to hear a Church Experience Worship original song, and we hope this gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned today. We can move mountains, your strength surrounding us. We can move mountains, Lord, give us